Okay, so if you're on the audio recording, you missed the first several minutes. Sorry, my bad. Go back and catch it on Facebook Live and you'll get the first part. Anyway, um, we really have only been going for a couple minutes here, but um, is that better? Is yeah. is this my good side? Okay, so um, anyway, so I have some categories because this whole goal thing, I and you might think this is kind of dumb, and I kind of thought, and I even, the one that told you to do it, but I'm like, okay, it is what it is, but um, make this something you do, especially if you're married, do it with your spouse, because uh, if you've got a whole bunch of goals and they don't even know what they are, or uh, then there's a problem here. So, because uh, uh, <laughs> sometimes you might be like, you want me to do what? You know, and so... You know, my wife might have a goal of, you know, we're going to start walking three miles a day. And I'm going to be like, say, what? Right? So uh, maybe we will. I don't know. So anyway, I'm just saying do it together. It's good. So I have some categories because it really is. As I was making these lists yesterday, I'm like, okay, so this might be better to break it down. So obviously you're going to have personal goals, right? Um, I, I'm i going to try. So I've got to confess, and this has nothing to do with, this is not biblical at all. But So we went on a ski trip a couple weeks ago, right? And uh so we rented our, our ski gear from the same place we did the time before. So when I put my account information in, it just popped up all your info. And so you don't lie on your ski gear because like if you tell them that you weigh only so much and you show up, it's the wrong stuff. And then you end up tumbling down the mountain. Like I guess maybe I gave my boys the wrong info because they tumbled down the mountain a lot. But um, anyway, no. So anyway, so uh, I get on there and... Like, it's got my height and my weight. Obviously, I didn't grow any, dang it. I thought I was still growing. Like, I'm still not 6'4", like I want to be. But uh, it said that uh, I weighed 160 pounds, and I'm like, when? This was only two years ago. Three years. Three years. Okay, well, anyway, we had just built our house, and I'm like, like, I don't feel any different other than I struggle to tie my shoes now. So it's like, something's... I thought it was old age. But... So obviously we've got some personal goals, right? Maybe maybe you want to lose a little bit of, a little bit of weight because if, if you didn't notice, I'm not 160 pounds anymore. So not that I need to be 160 pounds, but anyway, so we've all got personal goals. Maybe you've got goals that you want to be healthier. You want to lose weight. Maybe you want to, I don't know, uh, if you're my kids, maybe you want to gain some weight. I don't know how my boys don't, they eat me out of house and home, but they don't ever gain any weight. Um, you know, maybe you want to exercise, all these different things. Everybody's got goals, right? You know, they sell more gym memberships in January than they do any other time of the year, right? And then you spend, you know, the rest of the year trying to be like uh, Ross on Friends trying to quit the gym, right? Uh, some of you, some of you get that reference, but I can't quit the gym, right? So, I don't know. Uh, it's been so long since I saw friends. I don't. Anyway, the, the point is, you've got personal goals. Maybe you want to live healthier. So anyway, you've got personal goals. You've got, uh, you should have spiritual goals, right? Uh, um, hey, what's up? Uh, we just got started. It's all good. Uh, you should have spiritual goals. Uh, was it last year or was it the year before that I challenged you guys to read through the Bible in a year? Right? Okay, so it, maybe we can do that again. If somebody's interested, I've got the breakdown of, you know, it's it's like three chapters a day or whatever. Maybe you decide you want to read. You know, my wife, she says she's going to uh, do a six-month Bible read. I'm like, you realize you're getting ready to start babysitting an infant, right? But, you know, hey, you've got goals, right? So, anyway, just maybe you just want to be in the Word every day. You know, these are just goals. I don't want to get too in-depth with this because that's what we're going to do next week. But you should have some spiritual goals. You want to get in the ministry. Oh, whatever, right? You should have some sort of spirit. If all your goals are losing weight and exercising, then there's a problem. 
Right, and I'll just say that now. So you should have some sort of spiritual goals. Uh, you should have financial goals, and I haven't even got into this yet, right? But you should have some sort of financial goals. You know, I'm not saying you need to pay your house off, but I'm, you should have some sort of financial goals. And this is where you and your spouse could work together, right? You should have goals, you know, and for whatever that is. Uh, you should have family goals. I was Some of these were like came to mind and were kind of convicting yesterday as I was like, there's things that I want to do more with my wife. I want to do more with my kids and, you know, different things. And so if you don't make it a goal to do it, if you don't make it... So how many of you, some of you are married, uh, date night sounds a whole lot easier uh, in theory than actually doing it, right? This is I can't. We have to force ourselves to do the date night thing at least, you know, once a month. And then it was like, well, when's the last time we did it? Well, it was like six months ago. Like, well, we're struggling with the once a month thing, right? And so whatever, you, you have to prioritize doing things because if you don't, life happens. And so anyway, you, you should have family goals. You should have marriage goals. And I'm not going to tell you what they are, but you should have some, right? You just really should. Uh, and if you're not married, that's fine. You should be, uh, your marriage, if you're not married, I'll just give you your goal. It should be praying for your future spouse, whoever that is. And if you don't know who that is, that's perfect. You just pray God to be molding that person to be more like him every day until he brings them to you. That should be your marriage goal as a single person. God, I want you to continue to mold this person to be more like you so that the day that I meet him, right, or her, that they are the person that I need to be. That should be your, your marriage goal. Anyway, just throwing that out there. Uh, you should have uh, ministry goals, right? This was kind of easy. I had a whole lot of these, and um, these are going to, you know, as I was writing some of these down, these are going to become some of y'all's goals too. We're going to like all of a sudden have like personal assignments for some of the people. I'm like, I've got, I've got things for y'all to do. I've got, and I'm like, this is going to be good. And, and so anyway, you should have career goals, business goals, whatever. You, sh- you should have goals. And so anyway, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. So, um, and let me just say this: your, your business goals shouldn't always be, or, or I call them business goals because we own uh, our own business. But your your career goals shouldn't always be, I want to make more money at the end of the year, or I want to uh, have a better job title. Whatever, I want to be a better employee. I want to, uh, whatever that is. So you should have goals. It shouldn't always be to be something better. So this is going to take some time, I promise, because I tried to do some of this yesterday, and then I was like, okay, I need to get my wife more involved in this. And and so take some time. It, it will be worthwhile, I promise. And please come back next week or watch next week because it's going to tie in. Because you can have a whole lot of goals, but if you don't have a way to uh, biblically make the goals apply, then it's just going to... You know, he won't make it through the end of January. You just won't. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. That's, that's how it works. So, huh? Smart goals for the teaching school. What is it? Smart goals. Smart goals. Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time sensitive. You should you should bring that back next week because that will like apply then. <laughs> so this is gonna take this is gonna take some time. Like I said, I started on my list yesterday, but uh, it's gonna be insightful to where you really are. I realized how not involved in certain things that I want to be. Uh, I'm like, hey, I want to do this so often. I'm like, okay, so when's the last time I did it? Huh? That's interesting. Like, you know, one. Of, so I'll just tell you one of my goals. I was, if, uh, I was thinking, you know, with my kids, and I was like, I want to make sure that I go on a date with my daughter uh, once a quarter. I'm like, okay, so when's the last time I did that? Like, without my wife, I don't know that I've ever taken the time to actually just go somewhere with Allie, right? And so it's like, okay. That's on me. And so some of these things, is it seems like it's super achievable. Okay, well, why aren't we doing them? So anyway, I'm not, I'm not trying to get all up in anybody's grill. Come up with some goals because it, it'll be wise to do. Okay, so 
So for today, since I'm giving you all another week, because uh, I have something that's going to tie into that, and that was what I was going to get into today, um, I'm going to hold off, and I want to uh, I want to just go a different direction for today, right? Because I can't just come in here and say, okay, this is your assignment, peace out. Right? There's got to be something, right? There's just got to be something. So if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 5. We'll actually get into the Word, get into something that's um, profitable instead of me just rambling. Um, Luke chapter 5. So this is something that was... It's just something I've been uh, in, in my daily reading. Just uh, God kind of showed me, and um, you'll realize Mitchell can probably attest to this. You know, some of the guys who um, spend a lot of time in the Word um, because of HBI or whatnot, uh, Mickey, you can attest to this as well. Sorry, I didn't. I, I was thinking anyway. Uh, I just realized that I'm like, hey, I said Mitchell was the only one that's in here. Mickey's right there, and she's uh, silly. It's not a big deal. Anyway. Uh, that's my that's my bad, Mickey. Uh, when you get into like studying the word more than just reading it, all of a sudden you can't. I struggle to just read. Right? I, I struggle to just read a chapter and not like, okay, well that would that would break down into an outline pretty well, or that's that's pretty interesting. Look at this, and and it works well for me because uh, as uh, a teacher, it's it's easy. It's like, hey, I could use that, right? But there's other times it's like I really want to just read it for what it is. And um, so anyway, that happens sometimes. So as as I was reading some of this, this kind of came up. So. Um, it's simply daily reading. God showed me, and that's something that I think we're all fairly familiar with. You, you know the passage. We'll read it here in a minute. But um, maybe we're not always quite living it out, right? And so I feel like maybe I'm stepping on some toes because hey, I was stepping on my own toes when I was reading it. But that's how it works. So uh, Luke, yeah, Luke chapter five. Uh, Boaz told uh, Mitchell and Jody that they, he didn't like Mr. Jason because I always stepped on his toes. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't realize I did that. Like, I can remember once when I did it, I was just playing with him. I stepped on his foot so he couldn't move, but I must do it all the time. So he's coming to stay with us for a week, and he's terrified. So that's exactly where I want them. <laughs> Usually they're terrified of Paige, so it's good that maybe... <laughs> anyway, has nothing to do with anything. Sorry. Um, Luke chapter 5. Let's just read the first 11 verses, and uh, I'm going to give you uh, four... And I don't care. If you, I don't know if this really works out very well, but there are four basic Christian fundamentals that are kind of played out here. Um, four basic Christian fundamentals played out here, and and as we go through them, I want you to ask yourself how many are actually being played out in your life because they really ought to be. These are basic. These are like fundamental. And sometimes you're like, oh, okay, they're, they're easy. And then a lot of times it's the fundamental things that it's like, oh, man, I, I kind of struggling with that. So anyway, four basic Christian fundamentals we'll see here. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Let's just read through the first little bit of this on the wrong page. Uh, it says, It came to pass that uh, as the people pressed upon him... So this is... Let me give you a quick little backdrop. Uh, this is early on in the book of Luke. Obviously, Luke uh, fast-forwards to Jesus' public ministry pretty quick, right? So last week, we were all focused on Luke chapter 2 because it's the Christmas passage, right? Well, it doesn't take very long to get from there to Jesus being uh, at ministry age, right? He's, he's 30, 33, somewhere in that age. So he's at his ministry. The disciples haven't followed him yet. So this is early on in ministry. He doesn't have the 12 disciples. He doesn't really have any disciples at this point. He's just doing his thing. So that's kind of the backdrop of where we're at. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them. 
and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and he prayed him uh, that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and uh, taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep uh, and let down your nets for a draught. Um, it's like a whole bunch of fish, right? So just kind of fast forward, giving you the context. And Simon answering said unto him, Now if you'll remember the end of... Uh, the end of the book of John, something similar happens to this, but you can't confuse the stories because they knew a lot more at the end of the book of John. They had seen the entire life of Jesus played out in front of them. So it was a little different when they were like, come on, we've already tried this. This was different. They didn't really know Christ at this point. He'd just done a few miracles in their presence. They didn't really know who he was, how he was, any of those things. So anyway, he's like, hey, uh, throw your nets down for a draw. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, notice he calls him Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. He don't really believe he's going to catch nothing, right? I'll do it. And when they had done, uh, when they had this done, uh, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net breaks. So there's so many fish in this thing that the net breaks. It's very similar to the story at the end of the book of John. You just have to remember where they're at in their personal walk with Christ. They're early on, right? Uh, so, story the net Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, um, it says, uh, and they let down the net, and this they had done, and closed a great multitude of fishes in their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. Now, I don't know how big these ships were. You know, maybe to them, a ship's a little different than when I think a ship. I think like a cruise ship. Now, it's like a whole lot of fish to sink a cruise ship. Maybe these got like little dinghies. But still, it's going to take several fish to sink a dinghy, whatever it is, right? So there's a lot of fish that they're like so many that the, the, the boat's about to sink is what it says. I take it at its word. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Uh, and he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And, uh, and so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. Uh, and Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Uh, and when they had uh, brought their ships to the land, they forsook all and followed him. So we know this story, especially from some of the other Gospels. It's a little... Uh, a little simpler because he basically just says, follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men, right? Everybody's kind of heard, if you've been in church for very long, you've heard that story where he says, follow me. And they're like, all right, fine, we'll follow this guy. You know, and he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men, meaning he's going, you're, you're going to go out and, you know, share the gospel with the world. So kind of a simple story, but there's some really basic fundamentals that were just like smacking me as I was reading this. And I'm like, okay. We got that. I got that. But then it's like, okay, am I living that? Am I living that? So here's your first one, uh, in, Let's see, uh, in verses 1 to 5, and these are just one word, right? Not a whole lot of writing here. Obedience. Christian fundamental obedience. It says, I'm going to read it again, just kind of breaking it down a little, little more. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone uh, out of them, and he, they were washing their nets. They'd been fishing all night, right? All night long, he ain't caught nothing. And he entered in one of the ships, which was Simon. So Simon and Peter, same guy. So in case you're wondering, you know, there's, there's three guys here. There's, uh, there's uh, James and John. Right, and then there's Simon Peter. They're the three main characters other than Jesus in, in what we're talking about here. Uh, he says he prayed him, he would thrust out from the land, and he would, uh, uh, and he sat down and taught the people. So he teaches first, right? But he he does that, and he's like, hey, 
I'm, I'm done. Let's hey, why don't you uh, let's go out here and do some fishing? And Peter's like, "Come on, man, we've been doing this all night. We ain't caught nothing." He says, "Master, we have toiled all night and taken nothing. Nevertheless, at that word, he says, Master. So the first thing I want you to see here is he says, Master. It, if you read the same type of story at the end of the book of John, you ought to understand that these guys have followed Jesus for three and a half years, right? And he, 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 some of you remember the first time you walked in the church, it was, it was a little different than if you've been here for three and a half years, right? Your relationship with Christ, your walk with Christ, the way that you view the church, the ministry, Christ Himself are a little different, right? At this point, they know Jesus is a good dude, right? They've read about Him in, in the prophets. They're still trying to feel out if He really is who He says He is, right? Things are new. If you'll remember, when you walked into church, maybe you were saved, maybe you weren't, Maybe your walk with Christ was strong. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe you just got saved. But even at that point, you're still kind of like, I'm feeling this thing out. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Master's a good thing to call him, but you notice it's not Lord, right? They're not calling him Lord. It, you're a good dude, but we're not sure what's going on here. That's the first thing you need to see is he calls him Master, not Lord. Here's the next question I have. Uh, What's the difference? Because obedience is your word here, but I'm going to get to why I say obedience. What's the difference between obedience and faith in your own words? What is the difference between obedience and faith? Because I had to think through this this morning. Somebody give me something. Obeying is just a little bit of whatever you're saying, but it's obeying and knowing that there's a reason why what he's telling you to do no, that's good. No, it, it, you're on the right track anyway. No, you're 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 de- definitely on the right track, Candace. Um, so I had to like break the two apart because we always say that you know in child training we want our kids to obey, right? Don't ask why, just obey. Why? Because Dad said so, right? At the end of the day, even if it's wrong, who who gets the the punishment for it, right? I'm the one who has to answer to God for it, right? No different than in your marriage or anything else, right? So okay. These are in my own words. These weren't, you know, I didn't steal these from Google or anything. These are in my own words, but this is the best way that I could uh, explain this, right? Um, well, Hebrews 11.1 1 tells you what faith is, right? What does it say? Right. It's the things you're hoping for, but the evidence of things you haven't seen, right? So faith brings action because you believe what you can't see, right? Faith causes you to do something. It causes you to, we call them faith steps, right? When I taught through James, we call them faith steps, right? It causes you to do something by faith. You believe that God's going to show up even though you have never seen the actual thing happen. When you get saved, you step out in faith and say, you know what? I have no idea what this Christian thing is, but I know that I can't do it on my own anymore, and I'm just going to lay it all in God's hand. That is faith, right? It causes action even though you can't see what you believe. Right? That is simply what faith is. We all kind of understand that. Obedience is different. Obedience brings action even though you may or may not believe what you can't see. Obedience is simply saying, okay, I'll do it. Right? God says, hey, Noah, go build an ark. Noah's like... I got a couple questions here. Maybe I should, or maybe I shouldn't ask them. Well, what is an ark? I don't. I've never seen a boat before. And what's a boat for? Because it's never rained, right? But he doesn't ask anything. Obedience is simply doing. You know, it's not. So, it's not so much faith. Now we say that Noah by faith built the ark, and he did. But it was also obedience that went with it. Sometimes they go hand in hand. Sometimes they don't. Jonah. God says, "Hey, Jonah, go preach to the people in Nineveh." Jonah's like, "No, nah, I ain't doing it." Right? Why? Because he was disobedient. He already knew it wasn't so much faith 
because he had seen it. He had seen God work in the lives of his people. And he's like, I don't want God to work in the people of Nineveh because I don't like them. Right? It's different. Obedience is sometimes doing what you don't want to do, even though you already know what God's going to do. Faith is something completely different. Faith is saying, you know what? I'm going to do this simply believing that God will show up. There is a difference. Right? And so we have to be simply obedient. God rolls up in your life one day and you're lost and He's like, hey, what do you think about trying this on? Now, and maybe it came a little different in, in, in your life, but you at some point had to say, you know what? I'll be obedient. I'll step out in faith. I'll be obedient. It's no different than you've been saved for a while and God's like, hey, uh, what do you think about trying this? Hey, what do you think about stepping out and doing this? Hey, what do you think about just simply obeying the simple things, right? The simple things that you know you're supposed to be doing. Well, I know I'm supposed to be doing that, but i got all these other things i got to be worried about. Obedience is the first step in your walk with Christ. It takes obedience to get saved. Obviously, it takes faith, but it takes obedience to do what the Word of God says to do, right? It takes obedience to follow God. Salvation happens in an instant. Sanctification, right? We're going to get into that in the second part of Romans when we get back to it. It takes a lifetime, and it's all by simply being obedient, even when it's hard. Right, even when it's not, I, mean, I, ain't gonna, I ain't gonna lie. Sometimes being obedient is the hardest thing to do. Right? We we always use child training in in our obedience examples, and that's true. But this is so much bigger than child training, right? This is God's child training with you. Hey, are you gonna do it? Well, I don't want to. Well, who cares? Do it anyway, right? Well, I don't. I don't really like that person. I don't really know that person. I don't really. Okay, you can give excuses all day long, and you know God's got all the time in the world, but you don't. Are you ever going to just simply be obedient? Because if you're not obedient, you'll never get to these other things, right? You'll never get to the other things. You simply have to be obedient. Peter's like, dude, I've been fishing all night. I ain't even. We're wasting our time. Man, the, the weather ain't right. I don't know. I'm not a fisherman, right? I, I, I have no idea. I don't really enjoy fishing. I, I don't mind catching, right? If you can guarantee we're going to go catch something, I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll try. But I'm not a fisherman. and Some guys are. I'm just not, right? I like to hunt. I can go out in the woods, and whether we shoot anything or not, I just enjoy it. I don't really enjoy fishing that much. That's just me. My kids do. Like Peter's like, hey, I've been fishing all night, dude. I ain't got no time for this, Right? Early on in your Christian walk, there's going to be times where God's like, hey, I want you to do this. And you're going to be like, I've already tried that, right? It ain't working. I've already tried to reconcile with that person. I've already tried to make amends. I've already tried to step out in faith. I've already tried to... And God's like, hey, you want to just do it anyway because I told you to? I mean, that's on you at that point. It really is. It really is on you at that point. And just fill in the blank. Early on in your Christian walk, and it also continues on as the years go by, it's just obedience. It's just, okay, God, what do you want me to do today? I want you to put your net down over here. I've already done that. Can we try something? You got a different like honey hole we can go to? Right? I'm all about that. We can go out a little farther. But I've already tried here. No, try again. Right? I've already witnessed to this person. God, don't you have, I think you have somebody that's ready to hear it? No, try this again. Okay? You don't ever know what God's going to do. You really don't. You have to be obedient. Like, How many of you would be like, I didn't really think I was going to get saved the day I got saved, right? I I really wasn't that interested, right? I really had never been that interested in Christ. I had never been that interested in church or any of that. I had no need for it. And yet, I came out of there at the end of the day, and I'm like, huh, well, that's interesting. That's a plot change, right? And God knows the end of the story, but we don't. 
You have to be obedient. All right, we got to keep moving. Um, so that's the first thing. You just have to be obedient, right? The next couple of verses, uh, verse 6 and 7. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes in their net break. So we know, tons of fish. They beckoned to their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come uh, and help them. And, uh, and they came and filled both ships, so they began to sink. I don't know how many fish they were. I don't know what they were fishing for. I, I don't know if they were like sharks, whales. I don't know. There was big fish, right? The, the thing's sinking. That has nothing to do with the point of what I'm trying to make. Here's your second, you know, just simply uh, Christian fundamental evangelism. Right? And you're like, oh my gosh, he's going to talk about evangelism. I am. But I'm going to talk about it in a little bit of a different way, the way that God was kind of hitting me uh, upside the head with it, right? Uh, because, yes, we know. What are you supposed to do? Can, can I just give you a quick uh, fast forward next week? So it's the last year of the, uh, of the, it's the last week of the year. Brian's going to probably get back into Malachi today. I don't know for sure. Next week, it's the first Sunday of the new year. What does Brian do the first Sunday of every new year? He gives you like a vision update of what his vision for HBF is. And he always says it's going to take a week and it usually takes three. Because, you know, we love Brian, but that's just how it rolls, okay? So anyway, I, I love my pastor. I'm not trying to like... Throw shade. Uh, it just takes longer sometimes. So I, I can just give you a quick heads up. His vision for 2021 is evangelism. Not that we just have to be doing it. We do need to be doing it, but it's just, it, and, and it encompasses that. So, yes, we need to go out to the lost and share the gospel. Okay, we know that, right? Everybody agree to that? we got to do that, okay? Okay, so I'm going to hit this a different way because that's not really what God was showing me because I already know I'm supposed to be doing that. I'm just not really that obedient most of the time. i got to go back to the point one. But there's a different kind of thing that was going on here. So they throw down the net. There's so many fish that they're like, oh my gosh, something's going on here. So what do they do? When God shows up and He does something really miraculous in your life, God shows up and does something that's like, I can't even explain this. Oh my gosh. God shows up in your daily reading and you're like, Wow, that's that's pretty cool, right? God shows up and does something. What's the first thing that you should want to do? And you want to tell somebody about it. Like, hey, get over here. There's a whole lot of fish here, right? As soon as God shows up and does something crazy in your life, the first thing you ought to want to do is tell somebody about it. Instead, we're like, huh, that's neat. Right? I read things in the Word fairly often, and I'm like, huh, I've read this book a few times, right? I've read this book several times. I've read portions of this book a hundred times probably, right? Not not very many, but there are... And still, God shows me some cool things. And yet, I don't tell nobody, right? What's, what's Ephesians 5 tell me I'm supposed to do? If nothing else, Ephesians 5 tells me that husbands, you know, love your wives... And it goes on to say that you need to be sanctifying and cleansing my wife, right? Your wife, whoever it is, with the washing of the water by the word. If I ain't telling nobody else, I need to at least be telling her. Dude, this is cool, right? This happened, whatever it is. And I don't even do that most of the time, right? And I'll just call myself out. We are charged to do something with the word. God does something cool in your life, and you're like, oh, that's neat. You're right, it is neat. Why don't you tell somebody about it? I'm not even saying go talk to the guy that's pumping gas next to you that you never talked to. Yeah, you're supposed to do that too. Yeah, we hear evangelism, we, we immediately check out because we're like, yeah, I don't like people, right? <laughs> uh, I don't either. I'll just be, see, I'll just be honest with you. I'm not a people person, right? I'm not a... Right? I don't really... I mean, I'm just not a people person, right? Uh, I know some of you can relate. Um, I, I just like... 
so ministry for Paige and I, where'd we start out? The kids' ministry. I'm like, that's the worst idea we've ever had. I don't really like kids that much, right? And then it's like, okay, so as we grow and, and like, hey, I want you to, you know, the opportunity comes to teach in double class. And I'm like, that's great. I don't really like meeting new people that much, right? And so God just continues to stretch you and mold you. Evangelism should be, yes, go out and share the world to the lost. But man, evangelism is never going to get to there if it doesn't start with sharing what's going on in your own life with the people that you're close to, with your friends, with your spouse, with whoever, right? It, it's got to be. It, it's, and it has to be. They're like, hey, God just did something. Peter's like, hey, uh, I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't even know exactly what just happened. All I know is that if you don't get over here, the fish are going to be gone, Right? Okay, God just did something amazing in my life. I don't even know where the money came from to pay the rent. I don't even know how this just happened. I don't even know how we had a baby. We were told we were infertile. Fill in the blank with whatever your scenario is. Oh my gosh, you better get over here before the blessing runs out. Instead, we don't tell nobody. Instead, we're just like, well, that's cool. Maybe I can get another one before it goes away. And you ought to be like, get over here before the fish goes away. Right? we got to tell somebody. And I, I'm not I'm not up here being like, hey, be like me, right? Because if you're like me, my wife's like, when's the last time you told me? You know, and I share with her certain things, but like, I'm just I'm not a super outward person. I like to process things for a week before I ever talk them, and then by then I'm like, I got it all worked out, and it's no big deal. And my wife's like, hey, you know, anytime you want to let me in, right? And I'm just I'm just throwing that out there anyway. Maybe it's exactly like that. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Maybe you'll just wonder. Anyway, it could be like that. Um, you got If God's doing something in your life and it's amazing, what's the first thing to do? They're like, hey, get over here. You're never going to go out and share the gospel with somebody you've never met before if you're not sharing what God's doing in your life to the people you're close to. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. You won't do it. Or maybe you will. Maybe you'll get on a plane and say, I'm going to go on an evangelism trip to London and we're going to share the gospel. And then you get there and you're so freaking convicted out of your pants that you're halfway around the world sharing the gospel and you never did with your freaking neighbor. Right? I'm just saying. Been there too. Been there three times. Right? Forgot to teach me that lesson. Hey, you got to be obedient. And if God's doing something in your life, you better be willing to stink and share it. Right? Evangelism happens when God does something so awesome in your life that you can't help but tell it to somebody. Verses 8 and 9. Got to keep moving. When Simon Peter, right, same guy, saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Huh, something just happened in this dude's life. Saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. That almost... I mean, if you were reading between the lines here, it might seem like salvation. I don't know, I'm just saying. Uh... Verse 9, For he was astonished in all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. Now obviously they're amazed that God just did something cool, right? And you should want to tell people. But it should, it should provoke something in your own life as well. You should want to tell other people, but it should provoke something in your own life as well. And here's what it is. It provokes worship. When God does something amazing in your life, when God shows up, it provokes worship. Chris talked about this, uh, I think it was last week or maybe it was the week before and he was referencing it last week, but I heard him talking about it. Uh, the first mention of the word worship in the Bible is when Abraham goes and he sacrifices Isaac, right? And he's like, hey, uh, God says, God says, uh, Abraham says, hey, I've got my, my servants with me, but me and the lad, we're going to go up on the, the mountain and we're going to go yonder and worship is what it says. That's why I like my King James Bible because it says yonder, right? Not every Bible says we're going to go yonder, right? <laughs> 
one of the million reasons I like my kingdom is about. Anyway, we're going to go yonder. So his 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 version of worship is, hey, I'm going to go sacrifice my son, right? Worship comes when God shows up at a place that is so amazing in your life and you have nothing to do other than fall on your knees and say, God, I don't know, you are amazing. This doesn't happen every day. You know, this type of worship. This type of worship where you're so in awe of what God is doing that you can't even speak, right? That you can't even... But it should have happened at some point in your life. Hopefully at multiple sometimes in your life. I can look back at several times in my life where God is just like, hey, you ready to get on board here? Because it's time. And then you, you can't even say anything. It's just like, oh my gosh, yes, here am I. I'm so much less than you. He falls on his knees. He's like, God, forgive me. I'm a sinful man. Right? Even as a saved person, you should come to God and be, there should be times in your life when you're just like, wow, that's, I am not equal to you, God. You are something so much better than me and you know what I'm going to do? Whatever you say. Right? Here am I. Send me. Right? Whatever it is. It should cause worship. Notice that Simon Peter, the same guy from the beginning of the story, he's like, hey, Master... We don't want to go back out. Now he's like, Lord, I am a sinful man. At some point in your life, God has to change from God to Lord. Right? He has to come, he has to go from a guy that you know about to a guy that you know. You've heard me use the analogy uh, several times, right? But you, know, you can know a lot about an athlete, right? Or a professional singer, if that's what you're into, or whatever, right? I can know all about Patrick Mahomes. Everybody knows Patrick, right? Uh, I can I can say how many touchdowns he's thrown, how many interceptions he's thrown. Go back a few weeks, it was a lot less, but anyway, uh, you know, I can tell you all about this guy, right? And I can I can tell you his stats. I can tell you, you know, I can, I can tell you a lot about his girlfriend. I don't even, never met the guy, right? But it's all out there, right? And all these different things. I could meet him on the street and I'd be like, hey, Pat, what's up? He can be like, who are you? Right? It's no different. No, no. Is this cool? So much about him, you should know he doesn't like to be called Pat. I'm gonna bring him a bottle of ketchup though, and we'll be good. <laughs> anyway, it's no different with the Lord. You can know all about God. You can read His book. You know everything that there is to know about Him, and stand at the judgment seat of Christ, or I guess it'd be the Great White Throne, as a lost man, and He's gonna say, "I never knew you." No different. The same analogy. You can know everything there is to know. Until it's personal, it's not. I'm just saying, right? Until it's personal, it's not. And it's no different, right? Peter knew all about this guy. I've heard this guy, and I've heard he, he's going to be, you know, he's supposed to be God manifest in the flesh, and, but now he showed himself. Now I know it. At some point, he got saved, and now he's Lord, right? That has to happen in your life. Life-changing encounters begin... I'm sorry, life-changing encounters bring about true worship in the life of a believer, right? I'm not only talking about salvation here either. I am talking about that, but not only that. There should be times in your Christian walk that you can look back and, and look back on and see how God caused you to worship. Something happened so much that you're just like, whatever you say. I can remember the day I got saved. I can also remember the day uh, that I told God, you know what, whatever it is, whatever it is, you can have it and I'll go. Right? You want me to move halfway around the world? I'll do it. And I won't question it. You want me to give it all up? I will. Like, that's, a, that's a different type of consecration. And I'm not saying I'm, I've arrived. I'm not anywhere close, guys. It's not that at all. I can just remember times in my life that it's like, okay, 
this is a new, this is like a new altar in my life, right? This is, we're, we're gonna, in the Old Testament, you read, they're like wandering through the wilderness, and then all of a sudden God would finally get through to them. They're like, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna build an altar, a memorial, that we can remember this thing. There should be times in your life that you look back on, and you're like, I don't know what I was doing, but I remember this, and I remember what the decision I made that day, right? Not, not for salvation, because I was already saved, but I, I gave more to Christ. Like I, I was more bought in. And then it continues to happen through your life. You should have those memorials in your life, just like they did with the nation of Israel. Times that cause you to worship. That's what he did, right? And here's the last one, because I'm out of time. Verse, uh, verse 10. And so was James and John. So they were amazed too, right? The sons of Zebedee, uh, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. So we know that part of the story. Hey, you're going to be, you're going to catch men now, right? And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Here's the last thing that happens, right? And it should be happening in your life. And it's a big word, and I'll tell you what it means. Because I, I think I know what this word means, but I did have to look this one up. Consecration happens in life. Consecration. It has nothing to do with the fish at this point, right? This has nothing to do with, uh, we caught a bunch of fish. Something bigger has happened here. And they're like, okay, this is, the, the, the circumstance has brought about a life change, right? The circumstance, whatever it was that brought me to this point, right? It, it could have been anything. Has brought me to say, you know what? I, I'm all in for this now. That's what consecration is, right? The word consecration in a general sense refers to the act of dedicating oneself to a specific intention or purpose. Meaning it's just basically saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use what you've given me, God, which is uh, a little bit of talent at this, not very good at that, but the life that you've given me and I'm going to do it all for you. I am consecrated to God, right? That's what happens. That's what Romans 12, 1 and 2, we're going to get there soon enough. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. Right? Give Him everything. That's what He's getting at. How many Christians, and we all know somebody, right? Uh, I was somebody. We've all been there at some point. How many, how many Christians lean on God, or maybe they're not Christians. A lot of times they're not. They just claim to be, but maybe they are Christians. They lean on God when things are hard, but as soon as God comes through... Right? They put that band-aid on it and they go back to the world. You know, there's like a revolving door. There's 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 some people that are super faithful to the church, to God. There's other people that you see once a year, once every other year for a few weeks, right? You know, or you see them several times a year, but they're only here when their life is in turmoil and they're like, God, please help me. And what, what's God do? The same thing God's always going to do. He comes through, like He always will. And it's like, oh my gosh, things are so much better. And then it's like, oh. They really probably didn't have anything to do with God anyway. It's just circumstances. And they go back to the world. And it's like a revolving door. God comes through. They put their little Jesus band-aid on it. They go back to the world. Then they come back, right? And their knees all scraped up for whatever. God, help me. God comes through like He always will, right? And it's like a revolving door. That's not what happened here. God showed up in a miraculous way through a bunch of fish, right? Some of the coolest stories in the Bible have fish in them. I'm not sure what's going on there. There's probably a picture there. I don't know. I'm not that smart, but... God comes through, and and what do they do? They're not like, hey, cool. All right, let's go fishing again tomorrow. We can catch that many more, right? It's no different. We sometimes in the in the uh, in the work world, we're like, hey, that worked really well. I'm gonna go make another, right? It would be really easy for me. Uh, you guys know I'm in the uh, I'm in the home building business. It just happened to, right? Uh, and so I could go out and we could build a house and we could make a, a pretty good profit on it. It would be really easy for me to be like, let's build three more, right? <laughs> if it worked that good. 
Okay, you have to be careful and only get what you ask for, right? You know, I, I made sure when, when, when Paige and I were praying about the business, it was like, God, I'm not in this to be rich. I just simply want to provide for our family. I, I'm not in this to have a whole bunch of employees because that's just a headache, right? I just simply want to provide and, and, and those kinds of things. And so it would be really easy to see, oh my gosh, God's blessing, and then you lose track of all the important things, right? I could get so caught up in building houses and doing this that I'd never have time for ministry. That's not the point. The point is, that's not what happened here. God showed up in a miraculous way, and He's like, hey, you know what you're going to do now? We're going to do this in a different way. That's what consecration is. It's seeing God show up so miraculous in your life, and you're like, you know what? I'm in. Let's go. I'm all in. Let's go. And so these are just four really simply basic things, right? These guys are the opposite. And that's what it means to be consecrated. These are four basic Christian principles, right? Out of something that I was just reading. This stuff happens all the time in the Word. The question is, they're basic principles. How many of these basic principles are we living? Because maybe they're not so basic. The point is, you know, you need to be in the Word. You need to be telling people about what's going on in your life. God needs to be showing up, and He will if you ask Him to. These are just simply basic things. We all go through times in our life where we're super close to God, right? I feel like I could charge hell with a squirt gun right now, right? Because i got His army behind me. We also go through times in our life and it's like, I feel like it's me and nobody else. Man, and I'm out here on an island. Right? I, I, there's times like that that you don't have so much the, the group around you. You have to lean on the Lord. Right? I think about Cassidy. You guys know she's getting ready to roll off to uh, Guantanamo Bay for a good reason. And it's just like, there's probably not going to be a huge support group. Right? No, they just ain't caught her yet. They just ain't caught her yet, right? No. And I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I know you don't like it, but I'm just, it was just a on, on point example. There's going to be a time when you're not going to have people all around you. And it's just like, it's times like that you have to really lean on the Lord and what the Lord's going to show you. No different than there's going to be times in your marriage, there's going to be times in your parenting, there's going to be times in any time in life when it's like you feel like you've got all the help in the world. And there's other times when it's like, am I out here on an island alone? You're never... You lean on God in those times. And when He shows you something cool, show somebody else, right? And when you do that, it's going to bring about a type of worship and it's going to bring about a type of consecration that's completely different than what you're living now. And as soon as you think, oh my gosh, I'm finally here, then the whole process starts over again. right? And that's, that's the point of Christian growth is it never ends. So that's what I got. Hopefully you got a little bit of something out of it. Make your, make your list of goals. right? And sometimes goals are lofty. right? That's why they're not plans. They're goals. Uh, we'll get into that next week. Sometimes goals don't always fit the plan. But make your list of goals and come back because there's some biblical stuff that can go with it um, and figure out how to maybe try to uh, accomplish them. So let's pray. We got here. Sorry I went over. Um, I'll try to do better next time. <laughs> Father God, I love you. Thank you for today. I thank you for loving us. I thank you for your word, Lord. It's really uh, pinpoint uh, in our life just for the right time, Lord. So, uh, Lord, I do pray for those who... Uh, are sick, Lord. I pray for those who uh, are just uh, disconnected from the body, uh, trying to uh, keep from, uh, you know, getting sick for high risk possibilities and whatnot. Lord, we do pray for them. I pray that uh, the body would stay connected, Lord. That we would uh, learn to lean on each other, uh, Lord. And when we can't do that, we would learn to lean on you and your word, 
Because if we're not in the Word, Lord, we're going to fall away quick. So God, I do pray that uh, you would give us uh, time this week to just really reflect on the last year uh, and on some goals that you would have for us that they wouldn't all be personal goals for ourselves. It would be goals that we could reach for you, Lord. Um, I pray for uh, the Barnes family as they're coming up on Hadley surgery, Lord. I pray that that would go uh, better than anybody could ever expect and uh, that she would just grow up to be the woman of God that you would want her to be, Lord, and uh, that you would just give Brady and Holly peace through uh, such a turbulent time and that their faith would show strong, uh, Lord. and uh, there's just so many things to, to pray for, Lord. You know them all. And I pray you would just uh, send us uh, in this room and those who are watching and those who are listening uh, out as lights in a dark world, uh, Lord. It's, it's crazy out there. But I do pray that we would be the light that people talk about, that people see, and that, that brings about change, Lord. And it's only going to happen when we speak. So, uh, Lord, I pray you send us out, that you would get the honor and the glory from our lives, Lord. Uh, I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.